Welcome, brethren, to another episode of Act Like Men Ministries, Kyle D. Roban, 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. What's another implication of acting like men? Well, next metaphor on the list is the farmer. And I can't help but think once again of creation. God created everything. He did it as a team. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You see all them in the framework of creation week. And what they did, they created a man in their image. Placed them in a garden. And he told them to work it and keep it. And he gives them a helper, a woman. And not only does he give them a woman to help him, what does God tell the man and the woman? Be fruitful and multiply. So they work to keep the garden. They maintain that garden to where that garden's supposed to continue to bear fruit as they do whatever they need to do in that garden to keep it up as a farmer and also to the ones he's calling to marriage he wants them to be fruitful and multiply now does every family man and a woman that gets married does every couple can they have kids well you only know if you can have kids if you go through the process and if you do have kids in the framework of marriage what are the responsibilities of the man and the woman in regards to raising that child or the children well through reading the word of God we know that we have to teach our children who God is that's all there in the garden Adam and Eve were to worship God have children and teach their children to worship God as well so farming is investing and let me tell you i mentioned this in a previous episode about the father effect and i would encourage every man to go and look up what the father effect is i gave some statistics about the father effect in the episode about the successful teacher and how important it is to make sure we investing in our children's lives and the best way to do that is to follow God to learn God's word and to plant God's word in their mind what do we do as parents i mean we are own individual as an adult I'm going to have to answer to God for what I do. And you know what? A big responsibility of answering to God is what have I have done with my responsibility of raising children? And how am I raising children? Now, when that child gets to be an adult and can make the decisions on their own, I'm not responsible for them anymore to a certain extent. I'm always going to be a father and my wife is always going to be a mother to our kids. But there's different stages of that. I have a little baby that's not really a little baby anymore. He's Two. And 
I have to invest in his little mind. He doesn't know right and wrong in the sense that wrong is sin. But I'm trying to plant those little things in his mind, the little that he can comprehend, to let him know that doing bad is sin. And that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the main things I'm trying to teach him. And teaching him to pray. He don't even know what prayer is. But at least he's starting to understand something. And then there's a reason why we go to church. So all those things uh, is, is utmost important. Because a child's development from when they're born till they're five years old is going to drastically shape the rest of their life. And what happens to the children that the father is not in their life? The sad reality is that only 17% of people in the United States are married, husband and wife couples with children. So you want to know why the world's so messed up? Is the father effect. That is the biggest. That's the biggest disaster in the world today. It's not natural disaster. It's not this ridiculous pandemic that people's believing in. It is the father's failure to do what they supposed to be doing. That is the biggest disaster going on right now. 17%. Of full-time parents going on right now. The father's not in their lives, but most of the time, every other weekend, and what, a few hours during the week? I'm encouraging everyone, go look at the father effect. And hopefully, that is going to drastically change the outlook on the importance of doing things God's way. So to help us is to look at the next metaphor, how to, how to be a man. Well, we'll see that as the farmer in 2 Timothy chapter 2. So stay tuned. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of his crops. So that is the verse. And to break it down in sections, we have hard work, we have a farmer, we have a field, we have seeds, and we have crops. So that's how this episode is going to be broken down. Now, hard work. We look up the definition of hard work. It is to exhaust oneself. And rightly so. Because back in the old days, there wasn't any tractors. This was manual labor. Even if they had animals, it was still manual labor. And it took a lot of time and energy to grow things. Now, let's think about it. What's in the life of a hardworking farmer? Well, so the hardworking farmer has to rise up early in the morning, work all day, Got to get his ground right. Got to plant seeds. He has to protect the land from intruders. And then he pretty much has to wait. He does all the prepping, but guess what? (laughs) There's things that's out of his hands. He can't create sun. 
He can't create the ground. He can't create the air. He can't create the water and the rain. That's all things that the farmer is at the mercy of the creator for. So we need to rightly understand that we have a job and there's only certain things that God can do. And we're going to look at that a little later. But think about it. When you go back to the garden, God prepared everything for the sustainability of the man before the sixth day. God created the soil. God created the water. God created the atmosphere, the oxygen. He created all those things so that the plants and animals can live. Then he created the animals and he created the man. So right off the bat, we need to understand that life's sustainability is only by God's providence and sovereignty and power. We only using the tools that God has given us to use. And that is the bottom line. It kind of goes in the same framework of the other previous metaphors. Remember, to be a successful teacher of God, God has to enroll you as his disciple. So God calls you to salvation. To follow him. And then we look at the athlete. How God chooses you to be on his team and gives you a specific uniform. And a soldier, God enlists his soldier in his army. And he trains you to do all these things within all three of those things. And it's no different than the farmer. Remember, God placed Adam in the garden. Just like God saves us and he plants us in this field we in, this garden we in. So make sure we stay on the, the path of understanding that is by God's grace and mercy that we, we are good at any of these things. If we keep that understanding, it will keep us humble. So, remember, we have a part, God has a part, and we are to work hard unto exhaustion. And you know what? We need to put our hands to the plow. 1 Corinthians 9.10 says that the plowman should plow in hope. And the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. I heard this good little analogy on a movie that there was two farmers. And they were praying for rain. One farmer prayed to God for rain. He went out and he prepared his field. Did everything he had to do. Then God sent the rain. The other farmer prayed for the rain. But he didn't do anything. So which one produced the crop? The one that had faith that God was going to do his part as the farmer did his part. So we understand that. We all have a part to play. And even though we doing things. We're doing things with the resources God gave us. God has given us all the tools. If you want to know the tools, well, read Ephesians. You'll see all the blessings that we have in Christ as God's farmer. Because he's given us the Holy Spirit. At salvation. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But let us understand... 
that we need to work hard as a farmer. And that is the preparation of what we need to do to discipline ourselves to work hard into digging into God's word so that we can plant the word of God rightly on this planet. In the framework of the people's minds. Once again, go over all the episodes. Everything is regarding to the mind. So that's our field. So we need to deny ourselves, Luke 9, 23, take, take up our cross and follow Christ. That is the understanding of discipline that we need to do. So as Paul is instructing Timothy, encouraging him to be the hardworking farmer, remember, Timothy is the pastor that is being encouraged by Paul to keep on going, keep on keeping on, don't get discouraged. He draws a picture of these metaphors for Timothy and one of them is the farming. He's telling Timothy, work hard, get in the word. Because the whole thing about Timothy is, Paul is telling him, preach the word in season, out of season. Preach the word boldly. Don't be ashamed. Preach the word, preach the word, preach the word. How are you going to preach the word without preparation of knowing the word? So that's the point of the hard work. And... We are going to look at the different types of soils that we're going to be placing the Word of God in, in Matthew. So, hard work is our preparation. So that's the first understanding of being a hard-working farmer. So Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 1. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach and he told them many things in parables saying a sower went out to sow and as he sowed some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And then Matthew thirteen ten to 15 talks about the purpose of the parables. And then in verse 18, he explains what the sore parable is all about. So I'll go on. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on the account of the word, Immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case a hundredfold, in another case sixty, and in another 30. 
Now, it's quite clear that the different soils are different types of hearts. And understand this, that God's word is the seed. Now, let's understand this very clearly. Is the word of God in context? Is right, sound doctrine, teachings of the word, all within the framework of understanding the true gospel? What is the true gospel? God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, came, lived the perfect life. To the Jews, he was proclaimed as their Messiah, the anointed one that is coming. And he's Isaiah 53. So, those are the things in the framework of the gospel and that he was crucified for our sin payment. He's the sacrifice. On the third day he rose again and now he's literally in heaven on his throne and he sent us the Holy Spirit. You can read all those things in Ephesians about we being sealed with the Holy Spirit. Reading later passages in John, how Christ said when he's going to return to back to heaven, he's going to send us the helper, which is the Holy Spirit, and he seals us. That's another topic for another day. But understand that the good seed is true, sound doctrine teaching in the true gospel. And that is the reason why we have to work hard to rightfully divide the word, to plant that in people's minds. Now, do we know what types of soil we planting the word of God on? No. Only God knows. And let's not forget 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10. Paul says, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So, we need to not mistake the good soil for the good people that are good enough to accept God. This is a reality check. For people who think they're good. Jeremiah 17.9 The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who could understand it? Listen to Romans chapter 3. Verse 10 to 12. No one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside and together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Remember back at creation. How was all the plants and vegetation, how was all that able to sprout and grow? Was it because God prepared the right kind of soil in order for the vegetation to grow and the trees to grow? So God is the one that cultivates the good soil so that when the word of God is planted in that person's mind that God has prepared, the root of the gospel gets planted and therefore bears the fruit of salvation. So the gospel is the root and the fruit is the sanctification process, which I've mentioned in previous episodes. So understand that the good soil is God orchestrating in someone's life a point in time where they humbled 
God does the humbling. God humbles that person to where the soil is right to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Because guess what? The prideful don't accept the gospel. Only the humble that wants mercy accept the gospel. So that is the good soil. The good soil isn't someone thinking they're good. Nope, that is not the case. So that is the understanding of how we are to go and plant seeds. Like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, in, starting in verse 5, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You know why we got to work hard? To rightly plant the good sound doctrine word? Because there's somebody else planning as well. Going back to Matthew 13, verse 24, Jesus put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. The rightly divided word. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then you uh, then you do want us to go and gather them? He said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first, and then bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. We need to work hard. In sowing good seed because the devil is also sowing seed. The bad, false gospel, false doctrine seeds. And is that evident today? Of course. There's wheat and tares in the churches. There's people that are truly saved and there's those who aren't. But guess what? Only the truly saved individual will produce fruit. 30, 60, 100. So, understand that is of high importance to be planting good seeds in our children's mind. And in the congregation. Because there's two type of people investing. God's people and Satan. And his people, his followers. Now let's talk about the crops. Remember, we could be sowing good seed. And we God's fellow workers because we sowing the rightfully divided word, the true gospel. But if we are sowing scripture out of context the false gospel then guess what we fellow workers of the devil and we need to make sure we sowing what's of God and not what's of our flesh because Galatians chapter 6 Starting in verse 6, it says, Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. 
Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So there's a process in, of sowing and reaping that we can't get away from because we either living in the Spirit or we living in the flesh. Which is talked about in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5.16 But I say, walk by the Spirit, capital S, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. They oppose to one another. But he says, but you need to be led by the Spirit. How you know you living in the flesh and actually sowing bad seed and being a stumbling block? Well, verse 19, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, I warn you as I warn you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. How do we know if we're truly saved? Well, is the fruit of the Spirit that is going to bear fruit. Verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's things that should be bearing witness in our lives. In 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with His passions and desires. Then it says, we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And He says, let us not be conceited. So guess what? Can you have false converts that go up and let's say pray this prayer at the altar call at the end of services that so many churches do? That's tradition. Yeah. They go and they make a false profession of faith. You don't know what kind of heart that is. That if it's the rocky ground or the ground with the thorns, you don't know that. The Word of God constantly says that we know people by their fruit. We can't judge people's salvation based on a profession. There's been so many people that have made false professions of faith. And their lives aren't producing any fruit. So the Bible says that that person that does not bear fruit isn't a saved individual. These people are going to have all the works of the flesh evident in their life. Because also in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it talks about that. It talks about that... Someone who's truly saved, they are going to leave the former desires that they once walked in. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will enter, will inherit the kingdom of God. But it says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, 
you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. When true salvation, the true gospel takes root in the person's life, it produces the fruit of salvation, which is the pursuit of righteousness. Let's go back to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 22. We flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So can somebody make a profession of faith and have no conversion? Absolutely. We just saw that with the, the different soils. Only true salvation produces true fruit of the Holy Spirit because God gives the Holy Spirit as a seal to those who believe. Those are the true children of God who have the Holy Spirit and they're bearing the fruit of salvation by the Holy Spirit. Remember Philippians Read the whole book of Philippians. It's not long. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. It says it's God that works his good pleasure in us. Guess what? That means there's going to be fruit of salvation. And you know what's so disturbing? Is that there's so much traditions in the churches today that's not bearing any fruit. That has no authority of the word of God of why things are being done the way they do, they're, they're being done. And people keep doing it. We need to understand the traditions of man. Get it out the church. And just go back to the authority of the word of God. That's all the hardworking pastors, hardworking farmers need to do. Just stick to the word. Preach the word. And let that be what's going to get the increase that God says. So let's talk about the harvest. You know, what kind of harvest at the end of our lives do we want to see? What kind of legacy, in other words? You know that every person's mindset has been determined by what has been planted in it and what we truly believe we will actually act on. The old saying, sow a thought and you reap an action, sow an act and you reap a habit, sow a habit, you reap a character, sow a character, you reap a destiny. How we believe, how we think is how we're going to ultimately live. And that's part of the investing process because people are watching us. That's why Galatians chapter 5. We need to definitely, once again, Galatians 5 and Galatians 6. We need to watch how we sow and reap. We need to watch what comes out of our, our lives in word and deed. But think about this on the world stage. Let's, I mean, think about this. Has the devil been doing his job of continuing to plant bad seeds in this world? I mean, think of all the kids in public school that's constantly being indoctrinated by the theory of evolution. And out of the theory of evolution, that's where you get racism and all this violence. I mean, think about it. If the devil can make people believe that they come from animals from one kind to another, then there's no God. And if there's no God, there's no judgment. And if there's no judgment, that there's no heaven and hell, then what's going to stop somebody from killing and doing all these things to fulfill their selfish desire? Why? Because there's no accountability. Their consciousness has been seared, callous towards God. And the devil is clearly on the winning edge. That's why we go and we share the gospel 
so that hopefully the tr the root, the seed of truth gets placed into the mind of the deceptive person so that they can learn and understand the truth and that leads to salvation. That's the process God wants us to do, to go out and share the gospel. That's what we do. And I mean, that's ultimately what we're doing every day. You know, what about the majority of people believe in the false gospel of uh, you can be a good person and get to heaven. That's not true. So are we teaching that in our homes? Are we teaching that the Bible isn't God's word? You know, there's so many things that if we're not careful, we're going to lead our kids in another direction. Think of this sad reality. One out of every three kids stay in church when they graduate. So has good seed or bad seed taken over the two kids' lives that don't want to have nothing to do with church as they become an adult? That's how our local churches are doing here and in, in the United States. So apparently the bad seed is out doing the good seed in the churches in America. What are we trying to do ultimately for our kids? Has God not created the, man, the, the, the human being, the man and the woman, and put a consciousness in that individual's mind to let them know, hey, if you lie, your conscience is going to bother you. If you steal, your conscience is going to bother you. If you cheat, your consciousness will bother you. In the framework of the Ten Commandments, the consciousness is going to alert us because God has programmed the consciousness to do so. But you know not everybody understands that it's the God of the Bible that has put the consciousness in man. That's why they have all these different other religions. It's our job to let the people know, our children know, that the consciousness has been placed in us by the God of the Bible and we teach the Word of God to let them know that our consciousness is letting us know that we sin and that we break God's law and that Jesus Christ came to pay the penalty of the sin that we constantly committing. That's what it means to say, train up a child in the way they should go, that when they're old, they shall not depart from it. We want the Word of God planted and ingrained in our children's mind to let them know when they do wrong, they sin it against God and they need to repent. That's our responsibility. If they don't understand that, whenever they grow up to be an adult, we have failed to do our job. So, what kind of harvest we waiting to see? If we sow in good seeds, we depend on God in prayer that the good growth takes place. But if we sow things according to our flesh, don't expect anything other than bad weeds. Let's leave a legacy of the hardworking farmer that's, that's ultimately going to produce the good crop because God is going to bless the good work of the hardworking farmer that's working, sowing, tilling, doing everything he can as a hardworking farmer for God. That's what we're doing. So let's pray for that. Heavenly Father, we pray for your intervention. You give us understanding to rightly look at your word and go and share it to the deceived world. And we pray ultimately that our whole family is saved and also all those who we share the gospel with, that they get saved, that you bless that seed that gets planted in their heart that bears fruit for salvation. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So I want to close with this. 
going back to Matthew chapter 13, where the Lord says that what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundred, another sixty, and another thirty. So, isn't that percentages? And as I went over the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is going to bear fruit in our lives. So, if I'm, let's say, bearing 30%, then what is the other 70%? And if I'm bearing 60, what's the other 40? And what's the case of me bearing 100? Very interesting. Uh, this, that's just things that were brought to my attention in my mind when I was reading the 100, 60, and 30. Do I want to be a 30-fold? Or a 60-fold or a 100-fold? Well, obviously, I think every believer wants to be a 100-fold. Or at least a 60. I don't think any believer wants to be a 30. That means 70% of the time we might be bearing the fruit of the flesh if we're not. Either we're bearing the fruit of the flesh or we're bearing the fruit of the spirit. I mean, we we have to understand that this is about sowing seed. And making crops, having a harvest. So in other words, how are we spending our time? Don't necessarily have to look at it as either living in the spirit or living in the flesh. You know, um... It's about investing. Are we investing 100% of our time for the kingdom? Are we investing 60% of our time for the kingdom? Are we only investing 100, uh, 30% of our time for the kingdom? I mean, this is thought-provoking questions in my mind. I know that God calls us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. I know in Luke 9, 23, he calls us to deny ourselves. I know in 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6, God tells us to humble ourselves. So when we do all that, and we do all things for the glory of God, shouldn't shouldn't our percentage be a little better in regards to the folds? I just want this to be a little thought-provoking about what you might understand these different folds to be. And do we have a part to play in it? God, under God-inspiring Paul, told Timothy to work hard. So who works hard? Us? Yes. God calls us to deny ourselves? Yes. God tells us to humble ourselves? Yes. So as we do that, don't you think the Holy Spirit is going to bear more fruit? Not only that, I mean, God ultimately is the one that orchestrates things in our lives, trials, tribulations that humble us. And guess what? It's a pruning effect. That way we will build, we will bear more fruit. And where does the fruit come from? Not ourselves. There's... No point in time that our flesh can do anything that's pleasing to God. That's why we walk in the Spirit, capital S, according to Galatians, and not the flesh. We just need to get our flesh out of the way so God can do His work. We can't disregard both parts. God's sovereignty the things God equipped us with to do God's work and that is the grace of God that we are who we are. But we have a part to play. 
If God gives us the tools, we need to use the tools. If God gives us a plow, we need to put our hand on the plow and we need to go and plow. That's all I'm one to stir in people's hearts, stir in y'all hearts that y'all can consider because this is all the things I'm considering. These are all the things going on in my mind that I want to be more of a fruit bearer than I ever was before. I want to invest in my family's life better than I ever did before. I want to see the manifestation of the true godly characteristics in my life more than ever before. I went and I did a little survey with every person in my home. You know, I went over the 20 qualifications of leadership according to 1 Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1. And I asked each individual in my home, tell me on a scale of 1 to 10 if I meet these qualifications. Some were high, some were low. So I know things I have to work on. That's my part. I humble myself so that God is going to increase the qualifications, the characteristics of God, form, conforming me into the image of His Son so that I can bear the proper fruit and characteristics and sow the proper seeds that God has called me to do so that I can have more rewards to look to in the future because of what I'm doing as a faithful servant and hardworking farmer in my home. And you know what? If God ever calls me to be a part of church leadership, even if he don't, I still want to meet those qualifications because regardless if I'm in some kind of church position or not, it's not going to change the direction of the purpose of God's calling for my life, which is one to be above reproach. So, that's what I want to close with. I just want to close with this, those thoughts. So, I hope we all go and engage in the kingdom and sow good seeds and pray that each one of y'all that's listening to this is going to have a good harvest. So go engage in the kingdom. Amen. Till next time.